Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and we have a jam-packed episode this week. We finally saw the finale of WandaVision. Of course, we have tons and tons of thoughts. We watched Raya and the Last Dragon, which is the latest Disney animated feature film. It's available now on Disney Plus for Disney Premiere Access, which is $30. And we watched a film called Moxie, which is based on a young adult novel. It's a coming-of-age pro-feminist teenage story, and that's on Netflix, and Amy Poehler directed it. So major spoiler alert for all of those things. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Let's jump right into it. Oh, I loved it. I'm obsessed. I I think that like as much as I was hoping for a little bit more answer wise, I think that just it was so emotionally satisfying. Overall, I liked it a lot. A couple little tiny like points that I didn't love, I guess, yeah. but I overall yeah. liked it. Like there was a couple like... I mean, just getting right toward the ending, the, the runes reveal. It was pretty dumb. Like, kind of made it me was, want to it was, my eyes it, out it, a little it, bit. But there I, was just, <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense. It was not a great... No, the moment wasn't really yeah. earned. I just felt it was like where, you know, we've seen her, keep in mind, since the Agatha all along jingle, every second of screen time that we've seen Agatha and Wanda together, or Wanda in the show since then, they've been together and it's been a... It's a, been a like real time situation, right? Like we're not really skipping around anymore, you know? And so right. the conflict at the beginning of this episode was literally right after that, you know, <laughs> essentially. So I was yeah. like, when did Wanda do that? Mm-hmm. It was just kind of interesting to me where I was like, you know, like we, we could kind of go back and forth on whether, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of, of discussion to be had on how much Wanda knew all along and how much she didn't. I think there's a really basic way to look mm-hmm. at it and then I think there's also a way to look at it where it's kind of like okay she she knew a lot all along and so I could buy that she knew how to cast the runes I guess before even knowing Agatha had casted runes in the basement like I could buy that maybe she actually did know how to do that but then if she did Agatha's magic wouldn't have worked the entire time in, inside the, the hex so it just was kind of like right. that had to have been cast really really last minute and when you know <laughs> Because, I mean, Agatha's magic was working right up until that moment. I think the argument they'll probably make, and I'm not sure I love this either, is that she's so powerful she can just do it in a nanosecond or whatever. Right. Which, okay. You know what I mean? It's not It's not. It's not <laughs> right, the, right, right. the best answer. But I, I have a feeling that's what we'll get a hand wavy. Yeah, it was moment. one of those moments, like, because the shot was really cool. And it was one of those moments that I felt like, that was meant to be seen in a theater, even though this was obviously never going to be in a theater, uh-huh. but it was one of those big like applause moments where mm-hmm. you see her and you see her turning back to young and then she slowly moves to the side and the camera like, shows the rune behind her and you're like, oh shit. Like, you know, it was like that big cheers, yeah. like applaud moment. Theatrical, that, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Watching, watching it on, on in a TV doesn't quite, by, by yourself. You know? or, yeah, <laughs> or a laptop in, in my case. I yeah. watch it on, like, oh, okay. a, you know. There you go. Some people probably even worse. They're watching it on phones, right? And so it didn't yep. land in the way that I think it was like intended to. So I was, I just immediately went to dissecting like, well, okay, how plausible is that? <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> we accept it. I just, I just I mean, felt like, cause she reveals herself in that moment. The runes thing didn't even need to be a thing. Like she could have just, we could have just not had the runes yeah. thing. And it could have literally just been like, psych <laughs> you know what i mean like regardless because i'm so much way, better than to, you think yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's this powerful and that she knows she's that powerful already to be able to do to be able to trick agatha like this so it's a thing where i'm kind of like okay it was just a silly little thing that like my analytical brain couldn't process quite well but i but I, overall i thought the episode was really fun and I, i've thought this a couple times 
throughout our discussions on WandaVision. I never really brought it up, but I think we've all probably seen it. Some of the special effects are kind of questionable in the show. <laughs> and I felt like because this Oh yeah, this one this was episode was yeah. so special effects heavy. And I mean I gotta I gotta imagine they finished it in quarantine and stuff. So maybe there's forgiveness to be given. I'm not sure. But if some of some things I was kinda like But you're huh. you're still a Marvel production. Like <laughs> yeah, you should like, have this money by there. now. It was a little <laughs> So some of it was a ooh. couple shots of, of like vision and white vision. It was a little like, oh, this is an animated film. This is like, like there were a couple moments like that yeah. where it was just yeah. like, everything in the shot was fake. It's like, ooh. Yeah, my first note was this fight is cool, but the CG feels very lacking. I think from the start, I was just like, oh, we're going to see the seams. We're going to see a lot of the seams. Okay, yeah. here we go. The other thing that drives me crazy and it's funny, I just, I don't think I ever mentioned it before, but I hate Agatha's costume. I'm really not fond oh, of it really see i, I like hate what the, the white i'm with color. you yeah, i'm with you the white uh, color drives me crazy i hate it so much and i like the idea of her costume which is why i think i'm just so upset about it because i want it to be better because i like the idea of her having like a modern day something modern that someone who is that old would want right and I hate her makeup. I really dislike the weird eyebrow thing they decided to do. Like I just Yeah, the don't... makeup I don't really love. Ooh. I like the collar, I guess, as like a nod to the comics, I guess. So I like it. But I, I'm not like saying it's the the costume looks like fashion that I think someone should be wearing. But I like that they gave that kind of nod and it's like you know, but also she's a visibly old woman in the comics, so it makes a little more kind of like, oh, I'm this old Victorian broad type of thing, whereas this is a little yeah. more, okay, but, I, but I'm but i into like the big flowy turquoise purple situation. I, I love it. But the makeup's, I don't love the makeup. I think part of it is, and there's a whole conversation about the objectification of women and their costumes in Marvel that we won't go into, but I think for the most part, the costumes are always very flattering for the women. You know, even for the men, actually, right? Like, you know Paul Bittany doesn't look like that, but he has that sort of, you know, robot <laughs> six-pack or whatever. But there was something about her costume, in addition to the design, that not only was it antiquated, it didn't look like it fit her well. It made her really boxy, it made her look big, and I don't think Catherine Hahn is a big person, and so I was like, why are you doing this to her? Like, what has yeah, she, it why? Just looked, and she's an attractive woman. I love her. So I just feel like there was something they could have done there. Yeah. But I, I mean, I guess we'll go straight into it then. I love Scarlet Witch's new costume. I'm here for it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, it was so, I didn't expect it to be quite so like almost directly lifted from the modern comics, but it like really was. Like even down yeah. to like the lacy like headpiece, how it was kind of lacy looking. I don't know how else to describe it. Like <laughs> instead of yeah. solid texture, and it's that recent James Robinson recently his run that a lot this took a lot of nods from. It's just like the costume is so close to it, and I was like, oh, I love that because a lot of times they modernize the costumes or or do something to the costumes in such a way that they don't really look as much like their comic counterparts. They do, you can tell they are, but you know they they don't go there. You know, you don't see a lot of spandex aside from like Spider Man and stuff. You don't see a lot of oh, that looks just like mm -hmm. her. you know this this really looked a lot like her, and I love that. Yeah, and I mean that shot of her when she's leaving Westview when she's like with that cloak mm. though, and she's flying over Westview, and it was like she was like vertical mm -hmm. over the road flying like I was like my favorite shot of the whole show <laughs> I just thought it was so cool well it was also so Magneto you know and it just well the costume is very similar to Magneto too and I love that yeah but I want to talk about Magneto in the sense of uh, this episode actually really disappointed me I mm. I was very sad about it to quote my friend Kyle he said seven and eight were masterpieces this was just a letdown and I I think partially because seven and eight were so good that it was going to be hard to live up to the expectations of it but for me I was like okay 
if we're not doing the alternate timeline, if we're doing this whole Ralph Boner joke thing, you know, my husband Ralph or whatever, what's the point? I'm really frustrated by all the stuff with Pietro or Peter. We're clearly getting a lot of references to Magneto and House of M. And that might just be us trying to glom onto this idea still. But I felt like if at the end of all of this, she's still going to do the right thing. What was the point of WandaVision? Except for maybe to give us that sort of emotional thing. I get that they seem to be setting up something for the next one in the after after credit scene, which Jackie didn't get to see the first time around. <laughs> oh. I hate um, them. Why do they do this? Just do it after the show. Yeah, I was just like, God. I don't even remember why I stayed, but I was like, just in case. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I, I did. Well, I stayed thing. and I saw one and I was like, oh, yay. And I turned it off after the one because I didn't expect two. I scanned through that whole thing because I was like, I know they're not they're not going to not tease Doctor Strange. They had well, to. And I was like, you know, and so I just I was like, OK, they're going to do it. And then I saw so it. But anyway. Sorry. Yeah. But my first thought upon seeing that the second credit scene where she's at the lake and I know I, that's supposed to be setting up somewhere that's important to the person who's attached to the book, I think, is mm-hmm. what the that's, Internet that's said later. But. Yeah, my first thought on it, though, was, oh, this reminds me of X-Men and the lake that Phoenix, you know, Dark Phoenix storyline, like all that stuff. I was like, oh, are we we doing? Yeah, Alkali Lake. But anyway, I was just like, oh, it's the X-Men lake and it's just bad CG Um, and that terrible, (laughs) terrible pan in. But yeah, I just felt like there were so many threads that they'd been teasing all season that just didn't end up coming to fruition and independent of the threads that we maybe projected onto it I was just like oh so the general guy isn't that important and the you know again in the other credit scene we did get the somebody wants to talk to you and my I was like yes I knew it it's a scroll yes (laughs) (laughs) thank you but the fact that it was an after credit scene you know just felt like an afterthought to me and it didn't necessarily make the entirety of the show necessary to get to that point well, the scroll was the FBI. That mm-hmm. wasn't that wasn't sword. So right. that was that was so- who Jim Jimmy Wu. I think when he called his people in, I think. And so yeah, no, I, I totally I see that. But I guess I interesting because I didn't see. I know we we've had discussions a lot about. I guess I think I've been seeing this show through different lenses than some. But I I didn't see this as Wanda ending up doing the right thing in the end. I I kind of saw it as Wanda in that moment when she says, "Thanks for the lesson, but I don't need you to tell me who I am." And she becomes and then the rune thing and all that and like she's like haha Agatha I actually tricked you here I took this as Wanda knows exactly who she is she's felt it inside of her she knows exactly what's going on and she's been caught to a point here where now she's gonna go and okay I'm gonna stop this I'm gonna go and figure out how to get everything back that I want in a different way but she is she knew what she was doing she was she's like every time she wants to play the victim and say when she's with Agatha when she goes in one moment that I loved when she did the thing that she did in Age of Ultron where she shows Agatha her worst fears and they're in that scene and she's like the difference between you and me is you did this on purpose and she's still playing the victim like she didn't do this on purpose and it's like okay when you poured out your grief and stuff maybe you didn't know exactly what what was going to become but you knew you were keeping these people here and we saw when she gets when she gets mean and vicious with Monica and sends her out of there when she goes out of there to sword and says, you motherfuckers mm-hmm. better leave me alone. Like she knows what she's doing. She's just trying to pretend she doesn't. And that's why she was so, the thing with Agatha, I'm still on my train of Agatha's not a villain here because Agatha's trying to stop this woman. And she is here and she says, because Agatha says to her, your problem is not the power, it's the knowledge. Because she doesn't know what she's doing. And then she's like, actually, I do know what I'm doing. And that's why Agatha's like, you have no idea what you've done here. You're going to need me. Agatha thinks all along that Wanda doesn't know what she's doing but she really does and so Wanda to me is is already evil at this point 
because she's only out for herself and she's hurting other people in the process. That's how I see it. But so that's so at the ending, I felt satisfied by that. I mean, I can see some of that, but at the same time, I do think that if she really just didn't care or whatever, she would have just left the town. She would have been like, fuck you all. Like, I can leave this. You can't do anything about it. You know, I'm going to leave my live my happy little life and in this town, like, fuck off. You know, I think she absolutely had that ability. But she's seeing people crack through it. I mean, at this point, like they've been harassing her. They're on to her. They know what's happening. They know that she's, you know, and they're out there outside of it. And I know she was trying to keep it going all along. But then she has this witch who comes in and cracks everything. But she showed herself more powerful than Agatha. So like, you know, she could have kept going, right? Somebody poked at her story and she's like, okay, well, you tried to crack it. And if she really wanted to be, you know, the bad guy or whatever, she could just say like, too bad. I'm going to keep going. Totally. But I think that she's seeing that what she did it wasn't going to work long term. And so now she's she, now that she's aware of this dark well, hold I guess and she takes it. She wants to go find a way she can do this in a way that's going to be uh, more fail proof. Not the same thing, but bring her boys and stuff and live the life she wants to live. See, I was thinking the reason we get when we got the Blake scene, which was that she was actually learning from the book so that she could create a more permanent way to do this. Yeah, but without hurting other people was my interpretation of it. Yeah, potentially at that point. Possibly. But I mean, Agatha, yeah, I guess. But I mean, Agatha, like, and, and then she might already know, she might not know, I don't know, but Agatha tells her this is the book of the damned, as they're calling it in the show. So it's like, this is dark, evil magic. And she's like, well, let me go take that book and read it mm-hmm. and try to figure out how to bring my sons back to life. Because when she's flipping through at the book at the end, she's doing the spell, you hear what I, who I'm assuming is probably Billy because he's magic as well, but one of her kids, mommy, help me, help me. Like, like you hear the kid. Right. At least one of them, maybe both of them. And so she's yeah. trying to bring her kids back and presumably maybe to not not hurt anybody. But but she's aware of the danger of this magic that she holds. And she is now reading through the Book of the Damned to try to figure out how to, like, bring her kids back to life and do this unnatural stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think. I'm not saying her intention is to hurt people at this moment, but I'm not buying that she truly, truly cares all that much that she did hurt people in the process. I think in the end, when confronted with all the pain around her, she decided to stop doing it. But I think she was very able to compartmentalize her happiness over other people's happiness. Like, I think she really did, at least on some level, understand that she was controlling the whole town and that they clearly wouldn't have wanted that. But I think that she let herself have what she wanted for a while. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a question of levels, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. I agree to some level she was aware that what she was doing was not, you know, she was forcing people to function in this town against their wills and that that's not a great thing. I don't know that she realized how much pain it was causing them, right? Because she does have so much going on and she is also probably choosing to be willfully ignorant of it to a degree because it's like, okay, well, I don't see it. So it's not a problem. And I'm living my happy little life in my little suburban town. But once finally something does crack through and goes like, no, you're really hurting people. You have to admit this, like, if you're going to continue, you would have to do it with the knowledge that it's causing all these other people pain. That's when she chooses to do the quote right thing. And it's like, okay, fine. I won't do it this way. That's not to say she's not going to go through the book of the damned and, and do all this other stuff. And maybe the cost there is something that it's like a personal cost to her, right? She's giving up something of her, but it's not costing other people. And that would be acceptable to her. Now, does that ever work out in comic storylines? No, you always get used as a vessel for evil and it, you know, it ends up poorly. But in terms of intentions, I guess, I'm thinking that that's where she's coming from. What's I, interesting I that too. about that is it kind of brings me to the one point of for, for Matt's Agatha is not a villain uh, case is I do think it was interesting that Agatha forced her to confront it 
Because Agatha, in theory, would have gained the most by not showing her that pain and just, like, convincing her to give up the power so that she could keep this forever, right? There's no reason for her to need to expose the fact that she needs to get rid of this town altogether. I think by exposing the pain was how Agatha... Oh, you mean in this episode exposing the pain or in the last episode? I mean, it's kind of both, right? Because they're happening in sort of both. Yeah. Well, I guess both. I was thinking, but the last one is she's exposing pain before, as Agatha is learning she's a Scarlet Witch. So it's like Agatha needed to learn that information. Like, how did this happen? How are you doing this? But then, yeah, in this one, when she's exposing the town people of being, she's like, look, Wanda, you're not doing the good thing here. But I still think, I I agree with what's being said, but then it's like, yeah, it's levels of how um, bad, I guess, the person's going to be, right? So Wanda is taking away people's free will, which is not a nice thing to do at all as we as you said you know and so but she's perfectly okay with that I guess and kind of like you know let me go ahead and okay I'll do that and it's whatever but then I'm not sure I guess that she knew that like you said the pain was being so felt by the people she was hoping they were just like hollow vessels of people mm-hmm. that were able to just exist and then she could be happy or whatever which yeah, still like having a happy is, little pleasantville time yeah yeah mm-hmm. which is still pretty bad but it's a thing where it's like when she's confronted with that pain then she freaks out has her has her moments or whatever and then she's okay now i have to redirect and everything but it kind of goes all in showing that she doesn't understand the power level of power i guess in a way like doesn't understand it well enough to be able to even trust herself with it and we want her to know that but she's ignoring that you know, and I know she's trying to understand it. She's trying to learn more by going through this book of the damned, as they're calling it. I think she has some morality, but I think a lot of her morality is really slipping. And I think compartmentalizing it is, you know, a lot of what's going on here as well. But yeah, you know, in my opinion, I mean, of course, you know, she's going about it in certain ways that maybe we don't always agree with. But I do think that obviously they're going to use Agatha again because it's, you know, she's they didn't kill her when most other villains get killed. But it's a thing where at the end of the day, when we see what's going to be unleashed here and what's what's at stake here, Agatha actually succeeding at this would have been better for everybody. And I think she knows that, you know, not saying she's like, oh, I want to save everyone on the planet. But she does say your destiny is to destroy is to destroy the world. She's like, give me your power and give this up and stop doing that. Give it to someone who knows what to do with it. Because she's like, you don't understand. And then the whole time we find out Wanda does understand. She just doesn't want to let up. And so now she's pissed that a witch found out about it. And she's like, let me go over here and try to perfect this stuff and have people leave me alone. And I can respect that. But obviously it won't go the way she wants. But <laughs> you know, We're going to take a quick break and be right back. We're never going to get an answer, like a satisfying answer on this possibly just because I think it all comes down to we don't know what Agatha would have done with the power had she gained it. I think all the stuff with Scarlet Witch, you know, being the one who is going to destroy the world, that's just a byproduct of, you know, Agatha is using that as a reasoning. But I don't know if I would consider her like a reliable narrator here in telling her this. Again, from a meta perspective, from like an audience, you know, consumer of this stuff. Yes, we get that that's probably where it's going. But in terms of the intentions that have been shown, we don't know what Agatha would have done with that power. Maybe she's like, I don't want you to destroy the world. I want to destroy the world. We just don't know. And so I do think the way that every piece of her behavior indicate, Agatha's behavior indicated, is that it would not have, she wasn't going to use it for like a good thing. She's not like, I'm going to cure world hunger with, you know, all of this unlimited power. I don't think she would have had great intentions that were, you know, altruistic with it. Not that Scarlet Witch does either, but Yeah, no, no, totally. And I mean, I guess to that point, yeah, I guess it's like, I don't, we don't even know if she was gonna use it for anything other than to make sure that this girl didn't have it. 
So, you know, we just don't know. And that's kind of where I lean more, just in that it's like, she's just been a witch surviving all this time. And it's just kind of like, oh, there's always a witch hunt for people like us, whatever. And then it's just kind of, let me take this away from you because holy crap, you are dangerous because A, either you don't know what you're doing with it, which is what she thought the whole time, or it turns out you do know what you're doing with it. And it's just kind of like, oh, and you're willing to use this for such personal gain that's hurting other people. Like you are a danger. Like you do, like this is like a problem. So that's kind of where I go with it. But yeah, it remains to be seen. I do think we'll see her again because I, I could imagine when this is all unleashed and they did they did name drop Sorcerer Supreme, which is kind of fun. But when this power is unleashed mm-hmm. in a way that like the world is actually at, is being threatened, which maybe it is in Doctor Strange or maybe it's going to go further. Maybe Wanda's doesn't be a big bad for the entirety of this new phase of Marvel. Who knows? But when it is called into question, I do think we are going to see them seeking out Agatha because Monica saw Agatha and was like, hey, there was another witch who seemed to know what was going on and they're going to try to seek her out and be like, we need knowledge. Like, what is going on? Because they don't, they're not going to know. Unless Doctor Strange does have knowledge of it somehow, they're not going to really know what what the heck she is capable of and how all this stuff and, and Agatha seems to know it. And so I think she is going to be very valuable, which makes me happy. I was just going to change the subject to um, the uh, new white vision and the fight. And um, I know we talked a little bit about the CGI, but how do we feel about the philosophy? Oh, my God. The, Theseus, the ship of Theseus thing. Mm-hmm. Yeesh. Oh, see, I, that was one of my favorite parts because that was so like to me. That was so Vision comic. You know, you read a Vision comic and, or him and, and he's just, it's, that's how he is. I, I loved when he was like, I, do you say like, I require elaboration? Or he's like, I request yes, elaboration. Yes, I love that. was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I love the thesis. I, I, like, I, like, I, like, I love that scene. I mean, it was a bit pretentious, but I, I did enjoy the idea that like, if you can phase through each other, because I was thinking at the beginning of this fight that, well, who can win that? They can both phase. It doesn't, mm-hmm. how is this ever going to end? So I kind of appreciated that it ended in like a, a logic battle. Yeah, I felt like some writer w- took like philosophy 101 in college and was like, oh my God, you are, mm. I have the perfect thing for this. <laughs> we can write about the shape of Theseus and it'll be a logic. That, and it, was, yeah. it was fine. Uh, also, my assumption, and I want to know what you two think of this, is that basically in that sort of transfer moment, colorful vision gave his memories to white vision and so he will you know we'll get some something between white vision and wanda at going forward he won't be the exact same vision but there will be some sort of like personality and that i'm i'm assuming he'll fall in love with her again because it's just like a destiny i don't know it's maybe that's just being like hopeful romantic or something yeah i could definitely see that it seemed like something like that happened i don't know how much the vision that we see in westview is able to give him because he doesn't have memories before westview so he's able he to did. say, look, did he have full well, memories? Well, that's the thing. No, no. I think like, he she had unlocked... to tell him all this stuff. But but he unlocked it in the other one. And that's what we saw, I thought. Because we saw visions of stuff that didn't happen in Westview. Um, like the little right. snippets. There also, I saw it pointed out that one of the snippets was something that vision was not there for. Oh. Yeah. It was like a memory. Yeah, and like somebody, the... somebody explained it, explained it away as like, oh, Wanda must have told Vision about it, you know, and like because they're in a relationship and debriefing. It was like, this, this thing happened. Maybe, but she didn't give him those memories, right? Because No, the rest were all memories that regular Vision would have witnessed if he had lived. Yeah, but I mean, this Westview Vision didn't have those memories, though, I didn't think. I feel like he had them up until he died, right? And then he doesn't remember what happened after and how he got to Westview. Oh. That was my... What's interesting is the line at the end, because he didn't know... Well, that's the thing, too, is he didn't know what was going on for so long and, like, past things and this and that, but he was also under Wanda's kind of spell, I guess. So 
you know, in earlier episodes. But he, at the end, when when he said, "What am I?" and she said, "You're the," I guess, "You're the you're the part of piece of the soul stone the, that yeah piece the piece of the mind stone that lives in my it lives inside of me or something." The mind stone, yeah. So maybe maybe right. Westview Vision then does have memories that are Wanda's memories of Vision and Wanda's memories of things or something, but it like all pertaining. And maybe he's kind of saying, "Look, this is what Wanda and Vision are." And maybe white vision is is going mm-hmm. to be able to kind of reconcile with all that and kind of get his and understand those memories. But the thing that's interesting is he doesn't have presumably, I mean, Jarvis is is what powered him mentally with the Mind Stone powering him physically. So it was uh, when they created him in Ultron, right? So Jarvis could easily be, I'm sure, recreated and put back in him or something as a, as a personality, at least. But this white vision with these memories will likely not have a personality, if, that, if, if you will. He'll be very uh, android. Yeah, uh, so my my thoughts were because because the two visions interfaced and because the colorful vision was or the created with the Westview vision is a manifestation of part of the mind stone that he basically like if we're using a computer analogy, you know, he infects white vision a little bit with soul or mind or whatever it may be, you know, that makes him not just an android and because the shell is the same android that did probably again computer analogy like the hard drive may have had those memories still on it in some senses. He's just recovering them for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where, because it's like fictional science on a level that like, you know, like I, it, it's one of those things where no matter what direction they go with it, I'm going to be probably okay with it. <laughs> like either yeah, I don't... Be fully restored or he will not be restored. I'm going to be like, okay, cool. <laughs> Looks cool. <laughs> but yeah. I'm pretty it's, it's... into either. I would say I love the melodrama of, you know, Wanda having to interface with a, a vision that doesn't remember her, doesn't really care that they mm-hmm. had a relationship at some point. I think that is some really cool, interesting drama. I also think it's really cool, interesting drama if he does remember and wants to love her and she's not sure or, you know what I mean? There's so much. You could go either way with it and I would be yeah. fine with either storyline. So I don't actually. My only, my only one question would be obviously Vision and Wanda at the end. It was very emotional the way they all, you know, went out and stuff. But when he was, they were saying it stands to reason that we'll meet again, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I was, I kept on thinking like, if you did interface and all this, whatever, and you think that you successfully transferred onto this white vision, you, why don't you just tell her like, by the way, my original body, I think is going to remember who you are. I was like, you know, like, I was actually almost. That so that she keeps her cool together, <laughs> you know. But maybe she, he doesn't want to get her hopes up, right? Because true, if it true, doesn't true. take or if it doesn't whatever mm-hmm, or like, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, I could feel that. Because I kind of was surprised there was no white vision at the cabin with her mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. first. But. Maybe he assumed that white vision when he kind of reconciles with what's going on, maybe he'll go find her. And so he's like, I mean, yeah. when, when he's ready. Honestly, just from like a meta standpoint, I was just sort of surprised that Paul Bettany is sticking around. I, I, I was like, is he not di-? like, he must have an extra mortgage to pay off or not that I'm upset well, about he, it. Right. But I, I was just like, oh, it. oh, yeah, I, I think he loves it. Cause honestly, I remember I, I saw some interview before WandaVision even came out. Like, it was obviously being made, but where he was like, yeah, Kevin Feige, like asked me to come meet with him. And he's like, and I thought I was being fired but it was like quite the opposite and I was really happy about it like it was like I think he just having <laughs> yeah. fun he also gave an interview where he's like I'm so excited to work with this actor blah blah and at first everyone thought it was like Evan I think we all talked about it we thought it was Evan Peters no it's oh, himself yeah. he was being a like he <laughs> I was like okay we'll play <laughs> he's like we have some really meaningful scenes I mean- together yeah which is, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, I also, you know, now that he's kind of becoming 
more of a front runner, I guess. He's probably getting the big bucks now that <laughs> now that they're freeing oh, up yeah. some of that Iron Iron Man money and stuff like that. You know, he's probably so he probably had a lot of incentive to be like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do this. Why not? And the storylines <laughs> are good, right? Like as long as yeah. your storylines keep being good. Yeah, I have to say, as disappointed as I was by the episode parts of it, and you know, I just wanted there to be more stakes for the greater universe. I think that mm-hmm. was my yeah. biggest mm-hmm. thing. The emotional scenes, I, I. You know, I got beclumped. I, I was, I was, you know, misty eyed. I was like, okay, these are really good scenes. Even though I don't yeah. like the rest of the what's going on right now, I have to give them credit. Like these are really well done scenes. For, for me, yeah, the emotional payoff was so good. And I usually, I mean, I love a character study. So if I, if I can get an emotional payoff in things, I'm usually pretty happy. Earlier, when you were talking about thoughts on it, you had mentioned the House House of M stuff. I think we still can get there. Is the thing like I think we kind of thought going in, okay, they're they're maybe they're going to do, you know, it's going to that'll be like the ending. Is they're going to kind of go there, you know? But then we saw the slow was the show was progressing so slowly in a way that, okay, we're not going to get there. But you know what we're seeing is really just kind of this different version of like Avengers disassembled, kind of you know, in in the comics mm-hmm. that leads to House mm-hmm. of M. Anyone who likes House of M or, or whatever, like Avengers Disassembled right before it is a fantastic read. It's really fun. Same Brian Michael Bendis did yeah. it. You know, it's super well. fun. It's really cool. But it, this really directly kind of sets up where we could be getting still like whatever the MCU's version of House of, of M is going to be. And I will say, I'm not saying it's a little Easter egg. Yeah, yeah, for sure. not. But I loved in this episode when, particularly when Billy and Tommy showed up and then Vision showed up when she was getting rid of the hex and they were starting to break apart the way that they did it. And I know we saw vision kind of breaking apart when he was trying to leave the hex before, but what the way it was being done, I even brought a prop to hold up to the camera here, but the way it was being done gave me such a <laughs> nod to for house of M issue one, Joe Casada had done an alternate, a variant cover of it and it's Wanda breaking apart. And it just like, you see, and so anyone who's listening, you can Google Joe Quesada, House of M, you'll see. But it's like the effect of them kind of breaking Ooh. apart gave me such a nod to this. And I, I like lived for it. I was like, mm-hmm. that is, I loved it. I thought I felt like it was like super intentional the way they were doing it. But I don't know. Yeah, I think they're saving House of M for a big event. And I think that's perfect. And I think that's the way it should be. Yeah, I just I get frustrated by they put all these little Easter eggs in that they know will send us in a spiral and that they know mm-hmm. like they because they clearly pay so much attention to every little detail that the inclusion of these things is very intentional. And so then to turn them into red herrings or just, you know, throw away things is very, it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. I felt that too, because I, I saw some people saying like, oh, people who people with fan theories are disappointed, blah, blah, whatever. And I was like, you know, I personally, as far as the story goes, I'm not disappointed that I didn't get Dr. Doom or Mephisto or the things that I was like, ooh, I wonder if this is that or, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm not disappointed I didn't get it, but I don't like, Dr. Doom was just me re- grasping at straws here, but, I don't like, like you're saying, the red herring and kind of like, I saw Dottie, I guess. I, you know, I've been careful up until the end of this to not read anything, to try not to read theories and stuff because I was trying to like formulate in my head. But the Dottie stuff, how we talked about how we all thought, okay, maybe not all of us, but people thought, oh, maybe Dottie will be a thing. And I definitely thought maybe she would be too. Mm-hmm. And the actress, I guess, talked after about how she knew she was a red herring. She was there in the show specifically to be one. And that's where I get a little bit annoyed. Where she and she felt bad. She's like, yeah, I felt bad because everyone had these, whatever. But it's like, you know, you have to stay quiet, whatever. But I get a little annoyed at, at, at and it's kind of like you saying with the Pietro thing. And then it's like I was saying with the fly or the cicada or whatever. And other little things that were kind of nods to Mephisto, I felt. 
and a lot of people felt, I think, things that, like you said, things are included very intentionally. And you go back to episode seven, I don't care what anybody says, there's that direct, let's look at this fly thing. It's like a very much, why are you showing a fly all of a sudden? And then I know we see her transform it later in the dungeon and stuff, but they include these things knowing people will go crazy and then knowing they're not going to go anywhere. And that's kind of annoying. Like, don't misdirect people on purpose in a weird way that is inconsequential. Yeah, I think you can have a couple of them in there, right? Because it's like, okay, you want to keep us on our toes. We don't, you know, we don't want to know what's coming next. But at a certain point, if it's not driving the greater story forward, what is the point of including it? You know, like the Ralph thing didn't feel necessary to include. I'm with you on there. I think obviously a good mystery story has red herrings, but you should be able to tell a good enough story that the red herrings are inherently moving the plot forward, Mm -hmm. right? They're not just put in there to purposely make you look a different direction instead, right? Yeah. Um, but also, I think we're de- what we're dealing with with an adaptation here in some ways where it's not an adaptation, but it's based on source material in ways, right? I think what we're dealing with is they're crossing into this area where a red herring in a mystery story to kind of misdirect a little bit or make you like think one thing to, oh, ha-ha, it's this thing, is still different to me than a red herring that's placed there where it's like, we're going to take a reference directly from a comic book that we know is going to make you think something, right? And like, because they know we all are like, oh, we're all, everyone researches and does their thing and people, you know, where it has no consequence, where you can do a red herring in a really uh, well done mystery story that actually like still plot wise makes sense and matters. But this like Pietro thing is just dumb. Yeah. You know, people knew you're going into the multiverse. So you just wanted to trick people and it made no sense. And it's, it's like, okay, Evan Peters can just play some rando in this universe and it's fine. But it's just a thing where it's like you did it on purpose just to make people go crazy. And it was like it's almost just annoying rather than like an actual mystery right. that, that was earned. Yes, to that. And also to Jackie's point in, in terms of driving the story forward, it also has to be plausible. We have to believe that it could have been a possibility. And I think we believe the you know Pietro thing could have been a possibility only because we know so much about the comics, right? But if you didn't know that, you know, if I, I still I don't know at this point if I'm going to tell my parents to watch this show still. And if I told them to watch that, they'd be they'd still be super confused, right? They'd be like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Who is this guy? Why is this her brother? You know, they don't know. I don't think they'd know the difference between Aaron Taylor Johnson and <laughs> Evan Peters necessarily. No. But they'd just be like, I don't get why. Who? Okay, it's the husband. Like, what? What are you talking about here? So oh, I, yeah. I don't think it it's plausible. Hundred percent. My I mean, my my mother doesn't even necessarily realize that like Batman's not part of the Marvel universe. Like she she likes some of the movies <laughs> and likes some of the things. I mean, she tells everyone my dog's name is Harley Quinn. She tells everyone that my dog's named after a Marvel character when she when she introduces. Her <laughs> and I'm like, bless mm. your mother. But I'm just saying, it's a thing where she's like, she sees superhero and she just thinks it's all the same. So yeah, like yeah. for her, those X Men movies are the same thing as these MCU movies. She likes some of them. She sees whatever you know, but she's not thinking of how the rights issues and all the stuff, whatever. So it really is just this plot device that's not even a plot device that they're just using, and it's confusing to people that are mainstream just casual audiences that's super I think mainstream people actually because they're so mainstream it's not like my parents would ever know that he had been in a different X-Men movie so it would just be like a worse plot point right that's what I'm saying it wouldn't be plausible it wouldn't be compelling it wouldn't be whatever so they would it would just be suddenly like I don't know yeah yeah but yeah and that's interesting yeah I feel, I feel you. Overall, I think the show as a whole when you go back and remove expectations and stuff I think the show as a whole is successful in telling a story that is meaningful and stuff. And I, I do like it. The after credit scenes, I, I love them both. I love 
the idea that Monica, after all of these years, is now finally being called to go to space, which is like, you know, you think back in Captain ooh, Marvel ooh, and how much ooh, she ooh, wanted ooh. to go, you know, and I well, love And she got that. her powers. We saw her powers her in powers, action. Which were pretty badass. The, the bullet thing was pretty cool. And then I loved seeing yeah. Wiccan stop a bullet. And she's like, oh, cool powers. And he's like, I like yours too. But that was cute. And then, uh, but, you know, she's obviously being called up there to go talk to Nick Fury, which is kind of fun. He's still up there. He's Nick Fury's still like, all right, let me put it, let me put together the, the new version of this team. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm assuming it's Nick anyway, but that's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I like that scene. And then and then you you mentioned with the mountain and all that stuff, you kind of mentioned that, you know, it had meaning. So I don't know, maybe to kind of wrap that part up. In my mind, I think we mentioned a few weeks ago that the character Cthon wrote the Darkhold, right? Or what well, he wrote the spells that eventually got made into the Darkhold. And in like the lore of it all, he what Mount Wondagore it's called, you know, is where Wanda was actually born. Wanda and Pietro were born in the comics, and that's he was locked away where he was like doing those spells in Mount Wondagore. So like it seemed like a very whether they're going there or not. And then I will say I had to pause on it every round and pause on it after I watched the episode. But the illustration of Scarlet Witch in that book, it is so serpenty. It is like her hair, what looks like hair, looks like tentacles. And then even on the leg, there's like tentacles around it. And Cthon is kind of like a Cthulhu type of demon thing. Very, you know, tentacles. You know, so it's like, it was very much a nod in my mind. It felt very, okay, cool. And if if they are going to go there, where this ancient demon or whatever they're going to call him in the show, if they're going to go there, that he actually is responsible for this book, it stands to reason that he is the one, like, did he create or like, is he the one who created the Scarlet Witch? Because that's what's kind of interesting, because, you know, again, Agatha, if she's to be trusted, says the Scarlet Witch is not born, she is forged. And I think that's kind of interesting where Mm -hmm. it's like, if this Scarlet Witch magic, however it comes to be in somebody if that was a spell that was created by Cthon or whatever there, or maybe they're going to say it's someone else that created the dark or whatever it is. I think we're kind of getting into a zone here where we could be getting kind of a big bad out of that. My only hope is that we don't go into the territory to preserve Wanda as a, as a hero. We don't go into the territory that she gets taken under some mind control and that Cthon or whoever oh, it mm-hmm. is, is like power. We, we might, oh, but I, it's like powering through her. I would brace yourself for it. Totally. Let's say Agatha turns out to be bad, like people think, or I guess like most people think, and I don't think. I would hate if it was like, oh, she was bad because she was using the dark hold and Cthon was working through her or something. I would hate that kind of an explanation. Yeah, that's what I said last episode where I was like, I could very it's easily like see them power. explaining away all of this. And that will make yeah. me very sad. It's like, it's a corrupting. Part of what I love about Wanda in the comics is the fact that she is so she does walk that line so delicately and obviously in the comics too we get to like things like children's crusade and things like that later on where you do kind of find out the events of house of m and stuff or more like doom was orchestrating stuff kind of gets a little cheese but for the most part i like the emotion surrounding her choices and i don't want someone else to be responsible for it and i like her having to feel like i like seeing a character who then these questions like we get in house of them like what do we do with this person with this power what do we do and then people like emma frost and wolverine are like we need to put her down and then other people are like no we don't we shouldn't do that we need to try to help her and i like the uh, kind of civil warness i guess of that or i like the the questions around how do we yeah. handle this versus oh some big bad was responsible we don't blame her for anything you know well of course and I like who doesn't like a more layered, even so, a more layered villain where we truly understand like where she's coming from, what's happening. And especially after this TV show, we have a lot more. The general audience probably has a lot more 
you know, empathy for her and understanding for her. But I, the, the reason why I wouldn't like it is literally just from like a visceral standpoint of taking autonomy away from a, a strong woman, mm-hmm. especially when we have so few of them. And I know they're working on changing that. And we're, we're making some great strides, you know, telling some, you know, more woman centric stories. But just from that kind of visceral reaction of that, I hope they don't go there. I yeah, completely yeah. agree. It's a delicate thing to tread with because I know there's been a lot of criticism of comics of hers in the past where it's like you, you don't want to go down that road, but then also that it's like, oh, this is all, you know, a woman because she's too emotional. So it's all happening. Well, and then there's and then that's kind of so, dangerous territory too. So it's kind of you gotta do it really well, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do think the thing that the show did really well is from an emotional standpoint, it was the stages of grief and we went on that journey. And I think if they weren't going to have, and we don't know where it's going to go with this, right? Because we haven't seen Doctor Strange yet, but if they aren't going to have bigger universe implications on it, then I would have rather they'd actually narrowed the scope and just focused more on those really powerful emotional like stages of grief Mm -hmm. moments. Mm Because I think they did them so, so well. But we lost it a little bit with the whole like, visions fighting each other and all that, you know, it just, I think, and again, you know, Doctor Strange might come out and I could be wrong, but that, that's. Yeah, that's where I got frustrated by it. I'm excited to see where we're going to go. And and I uh, the last thing I'll say, I guess, is that that last scene uh, in the credits, I thought it was really fun that she was uh, astral projecting, which is we've only so far seen in Doctor Strange. Uh, I just, yeah. I, it was just the whole thing, even the way she was sitting, everything was just like, this is like, OK, this might as well be from Doctor Strange, too. And I'm here for it. So I was really excited. 100%. So there's a film with Robin Wright. It was her directorial debut, and it's technically sort of out on streaming right now, but it, you know, they'll make it more. But it's one of those quarantine films. And it's also just she goes out to a cabin in the middle of the woods and it deals with grief alone in a cabin. I was like, did they see land? Like the film is called <laughs> Land. And I was like, did they also see that? Are this the same, right? Like, what's happening right That's now? Funny. Because the timing of them is just so close to each other. And I was like, I feel like I watched this before. Oh. What would you would have done if like Robin Wright Penn walked through the door? And that would have been great. would <laughs> <laughs> be like, I thought I had this cabin. Like, oh, are you, are you having your trauma here? Oh, okay. My bad. I would have been like, welcome yeah. queen. Cause I don't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, welcome to the, the... <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I'm excited. She's a DC queen though. We got to, you know, that's some, that's uh-huh. some universe. You, your mom can have them live in the same world. Oh yeah. She My last, time. last note. I was like, Oh, the ultimate punishment to be trapped in New Jersey forever. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, that was so for true. sure. It was so mean. I was trying to figure that out. Cause I was like, she gets rid of the hex, but then Captain Han's going to be trapped there as that character stuck in the sixties or fifties. I was trying to figure out like what. I don't think she's stuck in the fifties. I think she's stuck is just like her personality is altered, and she's just a sort of like peppy neighbor. You know, she yeah, doesn't, yeah, she doesn't remember she being like, a witch. She doesn't remember. She was like dressed in her kind of like fifties, sixties garb, though. At least it looked to me, and I was kind of like, huh. And then the hex is gone. I was like, oh, okay, but I don't know where she's gonna live. But <laughs> poor thing. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious. I, I do believe we're gonna see her again, so I'm excited to see. Yeah, we have. Yeah, to. when when, when they find her, I'm excited. What she looks like, what she talks like, you know, the whole, yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> Good news is Falcon Winter Soldier coming up soon. So like two weeks we'll, have, we'll have more to dive yeah. into. Mm-hmm. So our other big Disney plus film for this. Well, this is a film. The other was a streaming. Was Raya and the Last Dragon. I have a kajillion thoughts on it, but I will, I will have you two go first. Yeah, it was like a really big day for Disney plus having a, yeah. you know, the, the finale of. Surprised those servers show. held up. <laughs> yeah, honestly, me too, because I my WandaVision dropped like five minutes early. I saw you <laughs> post about it. 
online because I was like, okay, it's safe to go on Twitter for the next like yeah, three yeah. minutes. And then you were like, it's already up. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. Because some, I, someone that, I, that I've been friends with on Twitter was just like, oh, I hope the servers don't crash. And I was like, oh, it's up right now. And it was playing for me. And I was like, this is great. You know, <laughs> but uh, I actually yeah. didn't start yeah. it until like 1210 because I got distracted and then I freaked out because I was so Ooh. late. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. Brave. Yeah. And then right when I finished it, I had to like quit the app and go back in. But Raya was there and I, I had to watch it the same night. So I, I oh. couldn't. Uh, I just knew I was going to lay in bed and be like, I'm that person. And I knew I was going to lay in bed and be like wide awake being like, I, I need to watch it because I've just been <laughs> excited for it. So, um, yeah, I, I I really, really enjoyed it. I'm very eager to hear what everybody thinks about it, though. Jackie? Yeah, I I enjoyed it also. So, um, you know, <laughs> I watched it the next night and I'll be honest, I was inebriated. So, I mean, maybe that fair enough, fair enough. That, that added to my enjoyment. And, you know, honestly, I think sometimes, too. When you just have like this big drought of things and then something comes out and you look forward to it somehow. Yeah. Well, and something that was previously supposed to come out. Got right. And it just, and it was I like, don't know. Really, it it you know. gave me, it gave me the, I will say that it, the plot was very predictable and not very original, but gave me that kind of sense of Disney, which is something yeah. that I had been like looking for and wanting. So I think that it was at very least successful in that way for me. Yeah, it felt very Disney to me. I, I, I mean, it's not my favorite Disney film by any stretch, but I thought it stood up to the the vibe of what they've been doing recently. And I, I do think the plot gave major Moana vibes. I know, I know the the connections to like Last Airbender and problems there as well that I've heard people talk about. I'm not very versed on Last Airbender, but I've heard it's very similar in a lot of ways, plot wise. But the structure of it, I guess, in the way of and uh, going out and and kind of seeking out this hero, this mythical hero who's going to help us bring back this and that, the land that's being poisoned or ruined by these things. It kind of gave me very oh, Moana vibes. I didn't even and make I, that connection. <laughs> yeah, and I had to watch Moana the next day because I was just like, I love Moana, but I was like, my biggest complaint about it, uh, and it's not even a, a valid complaint so much as just like, I love my Disney movies to be to be musicals, and I really loved the soundtrack here, but I just mm-hmm. was like, I really wish this had songs because <laughs> I just, I love a song. In a Dis- I love Disney songs, so... While it was long enough for a Disney film, it was almost two full hours. I felt that it it could have even benefited from breaking out in song a little bit, unless you know, telling us the story that way. <laughs> so I, I did I did miss that, but yeah, I thought I thought it was beautiful, and I, I liked it. I, I thought the message was a little convoluted in a way where it's kind of like by the end, the message and the trusting blindly thing is kind of okay. I could see where you're going with with that, but also sometimes it's better to be smart than just kind of like overly trusting of every person in the world but i get that that's kind of the narrative here that if people just trusted each other people wouldn't have a need to be angry with each other or or have problems with each other if everyone just trusted each other and no one was you know in a perfect world no one is actually untrustworthy but you know so i thought that was a little bit kind of confusing but yeah it was beautiful and i loved aquafina and i thought she was hysterical what about you what did you think i know i can't wait (laughs) i know that's a loaded question i know okay so i there's just so many layers to my reaction to it i thought it was okay. I've seen a lot of really bad movies in the last year and, you know, years, I would say, because I, I see so many movies, but it wasn't great. And for me, there's a whole aspect of, okay, well, from a cultural standpoint, you know, it's it's a made up Southeast Asian land. Okay, fine. You know, like it's not Chinese, though I can't speak to that part of it. But the whole representation thing, it just feels like anytime a movie comes out like this, there's so much riding on it. And, you know, Mulan was one of the first movies we talked about. And I was more I was more disappointed, I think, by Mulan. But this one, I was just like, oh, I saw potential in this. 
And it didn't live up to that. And I think I was really confused by the reaction of, you know, every person on, and part of this is like, okay, every person who was amplified, because they were only amplifying people who were singing its praises. But a lot of people were like, I love this film. And I was like, do you? It's fine, but it's not going to be a classic for me because I do think there's a lot of plot problems. It's too long. The fights felt like one or two of them could have been cool and fine, but it just felt like they were just repeating it. I felt like it was a film made by committee because tonally it was all over the place. And I wish they had just gone in and chopped a lot of it out. Like it's a zany gag film with the little toddler and the monkeys. And then it's like Mission Impossible. And then it's like a fight. And then there was like weird queer baiting in the beginning that was like, kiss, kiss, kiss. (laughs) You know, and then I felt like- They were in love. I would have been so happy if that had been the case. But this whole, there were just so many issues that kept- mounting up for me and I at the end of the day was like this was an okay film I don't want to take away from anyone's experience if they enjoyed it but for me I just saw so much potential out of it and I don't feel like films that have Asian representation are in a place yet where we can have a mediocre one come out and it be safe for future films yeah I can can see that it kind of goes back to that thing we've talked about with representation in general that every and this not speaking to the quality of the film but with the comment you just made it's like something that kind of comes out that is representing a group that's not represented very often in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's got to be exceptional so that it's like, it's what everyone needs it to be. And if it's not, it's kind of like, it's a bummer. Yeah. The goal is this thing called narrative plentitude, right? Where it's like, oh, you can have mediocre films come out and it's not going to hurt the chances of, and I don't know if that's going to be the case with Raya, but for me, that's just an added layer of concern when I watch a film like this, that I don't feel like film, if this had been about white princesses or whatever, that would have come into play. You know, I'm like, oh, it's not going to stop Disney from making another film about white princesses if this does okay. As sure, opposed sure, sure. to how this, I, I again, I just felt like it was too many things jammed into one for me. And I wish they'd gone and done like several editing passes of it. And then the character design was a little frustrating because they, I could see the recycling, you know, mm-hmm. at, like Benedict Wong's character. I was like, I've seen that character entangled just paler. literally go back and watch and I'll be like oh he's the same well I did feel pretty represented by a princess who shaved half her head and was mostly a villain fair enough I'm glad you you had something to I was seen I was seen in a way I haven't been seen before yeah no I yeah I agree I think the plot was not great and you know uh, the tone was weird and that's part of the reason why the baby character I didn't gravitate towards it was just such a bizarre kind of twist for me but I did think it was beautiful I, the, des- I liked- the set designs not the character designs but the yeah. set designs were gorgeous it was really beautiful the one character design like every character design felt really generic to me you know and I said this in my like short review but I was like and maybe with like slightly slantier eyes which is racist but that's what the designs felt like except for the Daniel Day Kim one and I was like is that <laughs> the dad I was like, is that a hot <laughs> CG animated character? I feel very confused right now. <laughs> well, he kind of resembled Daniel. Like Daniel Day Kim. Like, mm-hmm. Well, that's what yeah. I called him. I was like, oh, no, hot dad. Yeah. you know, hot dad was too good. We knew hot dad had to, you know, die, disappear. Well, like, I mean, it's also a Disney out of You can't have two right. parents. Yeah. No, no. I mean, they can't have any support system that they didn't right. meet on the road. Yeah, the plot, the plot worked for me. I think, if anything, because it was – she had to go to four specific different places after getting the dragon to collect these pieces, right? That it ended up being something where the plot itself worked for me, but it was almost a lot to pack into the time they had to, to, to really well, kind of do that's what I mean is you didn't have to in, choose in an effective that, way, though. They but, didn't have to. Oh, no, totally. But I just mean, like, I yeah, like the story that's... idea and the plot idea to me 
was I, I liked it. I could see the the complaints for sure. I enjoyed the side characters actually quite a bit. I liked I liked getting to know them and how they were all different and kind of fun and quirky and like whatever. I, I had fun with them. But what I really loved about Raya as a character, I liked a, a villain princess. I was trying to think of characters in Disney films, women especially, princesses especially, when we're talking about kind of more the progressive approach to these to these characters whose struggle isn't centering around the expected place that they are supposed to hold in society and i really liked that she was really just about trying to do the right thing which is what a princess should do but most disney princesses even going to the frozen even if you're going to moana you're going all these it's like a lot of it is kind of about the what's expected of them and to marry and this and that and then sometimes maybe like oh, okay i don't have to do that i like that there wasn't even a mention of whether she was going to be with someone. I like that we didn't even talk about what happened to her mom. Maybe in this world, people only have one parent in some of these lands. Like, I don't know. I know we saw that um, the guy from, <laughs> from Spine did have a wife. But I'm just saying, you know, we didn't even hear about her mom, what happened to her mom, all this. She's just being raised by her father. And and Namari was just being raised by a mother and all this, whatever. But there was no mention. There was no gender. There was no anything about, oh, you're a woman, you're a man, you're this. And I, I actually really appreciated that about it. Not that that makes a great film, but I just that's just a point of it that I, I, I was kind of drawn to and I, I liked it. As someone who very well may be a single father someday, I guess. <laughs> but I just, I thought that was Yeah, cool. it just it just feels like such a low bar for me at this point, you know, that like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I was glad that that, oh, totally, you yeah. know, it didn't center around romance, which is something that I think they've moved towards uh, a little bit with more of the recent films, but that's, it's a pretty low bar. Jackie, did you want to talk about, you had your comment about the plot? I just didn't like the way the plot felt like a video game, you know, it's okay. So you get to this level and then you get to the next level. And then I I was hoping for some sort of twist or something to happen that it wasn't just feeling like, okay, we get to this level and then we need to go get the big boss, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I had the, I had the exact same thought where I was like, and not to knock video games because I do love video games and I think there's excellent storytelling that happens in them, but part of it's because it's interactive and you're immersed in it. And this is just like, you you knew exactly what was going to happen in each section. Get to the thing. You need to get the thing, defeat the boss. You know, how you defeat the boss varies a little bit, but it's just like, the exact same thing happened each and every time. And it just felt repetitive. Yeah. I mean, like I still enjoyed myself a lot, but if you look at it from a eagle eye view, it was kind of like, oh, okay. I wish you would have done something more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can see those criticisms. I kind of looked at it as a like kind of an Indiana kind of vibe and like, Obviously, this is a video game, but I, I don't play it. I'm thinking of the movies, like the Tomb Raider type thing. Like, I was kind of getting that vibe from it in a way that worked for me. Yeah, it was in, Tomb Raider. In that I was it was uncharted. It was, yeah, and I was like, oh, know, okay, this is yeah, kind of a fun, a fun, different approach to the type of storytelling that Disney usually has in that way. And I, it worked for me in that way. But but I could see the I could see the criticisms. I mean, it's interesting because we had a similar challenge, I think, with actually The Mandalorian. And it's not the same format in terms of like mission, boss, mission, boss. But it was like mission, mission, mission. Where's the greater plot? That was just drawn out over weeks. This was like the two-hour version of that. Yeah, I guess in each mission, I knew it's like, okay, we need to get all five of these pieces. And then what exactly was going to happen when we got the pieces? We didn't know exactly what would happen. We knew what they hoped would happen. And then it was what happened. But I, every mission had that. I knew exactly why we were where we were in every scene. You know what I mean? Whereas like, yeah, but I, but I agree with you where it's like Mandalorian. It was like that same, same similar vibe in that way where it felt kind of all these different kinds of pieces 
that weren't necessarily as cohesive. Yeah. You know, I think my, my other challenge with that format of it is like, not once did I feel like there were stakes. Like not once was I concerned that Raya was not going to be able to do the thing. And it's a, it's an argument I think I actually have about like Superman, right? It's like these impossibly perfect heroes. Well, what's the point? You know, like you, you know, they're going to succeed in the end, you know, they're going to do whatever. So why am I worried? Or like when, you know, and part of this is just knowing that it's a Disney film and that Mm-hmm. The, the stakes are very rarely actually like as you know catastrophic as i was like she's not gonna, the dragon's not gonna die like they're not gonna kill the dragon you can't kill the rainbow dragon do you know how many toys you would you know like also i got it the character design on sisu i no dragon in east asian or chinese or japanese or whatever culture looks like that i don't even think like western dragons look like that the british dragons the welsh ones they don't look like that none of them have hair <laughs> this is just this just felt like a really crappy like brats fucked a dragon play to sell toys and i'm not I mean, here yeah, I, yeah i, I loved her it was, and i thought yeah, about like, it was cute i enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> I loved her. no I, I hear you i hear you but i, 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 I loved hear her. i, I hear so exactly what you were saying i i you know but i did enjoy it so <laughs> yeah. I thought she was so cute and i loved it and i i liked all the other dragons and when they all came out and they were kind of Kind of, when they were all cute and not had hair, you know, like you could have done the design in a way that that was respectful of because everything else, except for maybe the character designs, which were just sort of they felt like lazy, honestly. But but, you know, the textures, the the visuals, the backgrounds, they clearly spent a lot of time paying attention to Southeast Asian influences. Mm -hmm. So why are you going to differ on one of the most important parts of it? That felt like a really shitty sellout moment to me. I think they gave her hair to make her transformation with hair seemed like it made some sort of sense, I guess, when she turns into a human. But you can still do it in a way that's not like hair, hair, you know? Yeah, no, I could see that. Yeah. Like you could do like frilly things and like different kinds of stuff. And yeah. Then like, you know, it just translates the hair. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I liked the design. I thought it was super cute. And I was like, oh, I want one. But, <laughs> but you know, I am and the person see, who appreciates see, the Ewok why, and the Borg. Yep, and the, and the, you, know, you, know, you know me, though. This is me. This is you your know? fault. This is your fault, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it it is my fault yeah. because I am the one. I mean, you know, that is is exactly who it's for, and uh, and I'm proud to to accept it. <laughs> but I but I see that for sure. And and again, look, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen. It wasn't a bad bad movie, but it I just wanted so much more from it. Is what it came yeah, down to. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I mean, because the, the thing is, if I rank this movie in my head, even if like recent Disney animation, right? It's not terribly high up there. And and I I was think I was talking to a friend about this and I was like oh I feel like some of it's quarantine goggles you know and that everyone who's like this is the greatest thing whatever blah blah you know if if you watch it in a year you're gonna be like oh it was okay it was fine but I also don't know how many people are gonna go back and watch it again and again you know it's outside of the fact that it's in quarantine or if you're like a little kid or something like that yeah as I mean, opposed I've to it a few times but yeah. oh my god <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Listen, I can't is, help it. I have to live my truth. Uh, I like, I really do genuinely like the movie, but it's not going to be one of my favorites. Yeah. So. And I, I do compare it to something like a Moana and to Matt's earlier point, I was trying to think, oh, is this because of the music? You know, the lack of music. Because I am not like the biggest musical. Well, actually, that's a lie. I do love musicals. But the fact that the story, a lot of the storytelling happened through the songs and that the songs were from one cohesive vision as opposed to this, which had four directors. You know, I was like, oh, would that have helped been a through line for this? You know, would that have been catchier? Would that have been more enjoyable? Would I have liked it more as a musical? Like, what what was the difference between this and a Moana that made that one so much more enjoyable for me? Right. 
Yeah, it might be it might be the music, but also I think with Moana, I think that there's no Moana more... had like a, a vision for what it was doing. I think yeah, it had more of a very big follow through on a story that like you knew where it was going, but it you know as as we talked about as we usually do, but it had more of a follow through with kind of this really kind of gut wrenching plot in a way, and. I know for me, the grandma connection in it was like major because I was so close to my grandma, but it, mm-hmm. but it's like, but it's just a thing where it felt kind of like that. But I will say as much as I love Moana, Moana is not without its scenes that I'm like, please cut this out. Like I like literally fast forward through that little coconut person scene. I hate it. I think it's such a, like, this has nothing to do with the plot. Like, why are we doing <laughs> sure. this? Whereas at least in Raya, I thought most of it had to do with the plot, but I was like, there are some in Moana. And then my favorite part, shiny with Tamatoa. I love that song, but that is, really ridiculous scene like it does not need to be in that film i love it and i won't cut it it's but it's one just of kind of like scenes. i love i, I love it yeah. but i just when you think of like i know they're trying to get his hammer but a weird kind of like side side quest to get to this like just get there you know so it's like i love moana but i just mean like there it's not without but, its things yeah, that i but, think are kind of diversions from the. People. i do think but moana's emotional journey i think was better sold to me it's much more I mean, present yeah the thing is i was i was sold on some of Raya's, but I think a lot of that was sort of emotionally manipulative the whole time, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Moana is a more nuanced character, right? Well, and she also, she goes on like a character development journey that makes sense, right? Yeah. She has to learn skills. She has to learn how to do these things. She has to learn to believe in herself versus this whole like story of trust at the end. But sure, you can try and trust people from the start, but she has a very valid reason. She got burned by this character already, mm-hmm. you know? Like her trust like was violated. Burned. Yeah, like, like the there's whole no world reason. Yeah, no reason to trust her again. Well, that's the thing is I think that that's, that's the, the point is like to, and I agree with you, but when Sisu kind of says like, you know, when she's like, oh, you, the world's broken, you can't trust anyone. She's like, well, maybe it's broken because you don't trust anybody. The dragons didn't return the first time because the people weren't worthy of it because the people were like out for themselves and stuff and all this. And then you see what happens, right? How they're like afraid of this one faction having all the power and they're all like, oh, they're all fighting all the time. And then it's not that necessarily Raya is the problem as much as it's like it's trying to speak to a bigger societal issue, which is the difference for like Moana is a personal journey, like a deeper, more personal journey she's going through that is actually linked to saving a lot of people. So it like lands harder. And so it's more successfully told in that way, for sure, I think. Whereas this, if they had kind of added this added layer, it would have been a little more meaningful. Yeah, but the setup of it just doesn't make sense, right? It's like, okay, the yeah. dragon, yeah, the dragons come back and they're like, oh, you're not worthy of it. But it's like, uh, yeah, but then the one person who did try got burned. So of course she's not going to, you know, like, I just, uh, nah. nope. The more I pick it apart, the more I get angry. I, get no, I mean, I mean, 500 years prior when they didn't return, like, because they return now that people are worthy of it because they decide to trust each other blindly and work together. But 500 years prior, they didn't come back. But that's what I'm saying, like, that people got upset that, like, oh, one group had it, but, like, that didn't, it didn't mean that the group automatically benefited. You know, they established early on that's, like, it's not because they had this magic power that their area flourished, it's because they, like, actually did the work and their area flourished. Yeah, but well, the I actually disagree with that. that. The, people, the people thought that they were flourishing. Well, no, because, because I think, well, and maybe, I don't know, I also, okay, so what I read into it, and maybe, maybe I shouldn't have, I'm not sure. But I actually read into it as like a like a treatise on uh, privilege, and so because they were like, "Oh yeah, we have the the dragon, you know, the magic dragon thing, and we just happen to be flourishing." It's so crazy that anyone would say that we're flourishing because of that. It's because we make good decisions, right? And then it gets taken away from them, and the other tribe has it, and then suddenly the other tribe is wealthy, 
and powerful and has all the, the things that they need. And they're telling each other that like, oh, they're just jealous because they don't realize that we made good decisions when in reality they have the power now. It didn't get taken away. It got broken and then everyone had a piece of it. But then the Druun Well, no, out. but the other so ones who, like, yeah. who had pieces of it didn't do as well. No, but no one was flourishing when it got broken. Everyone was dying because or turning turned to stone because the Druins returned right away when it got broken. Yeah, Jackie, I get what you're saying. I think the problem for me is that because there's a little bit of ambiguity of literally was this thing actually you know causing the area they were in to flourish or was it because they actually just were under better leadership you know right and and so because it doesn't solve for that i find there to be major plot holes <laughs> well we find out that it wasn't because of that but we do know that the others thought that it was maybe because of that or something but it's about teaching that it's not and i'm not sure that it was earned that it taught everyone that it wasn't but by the end everyone understands it wasn't right, well maybe we needed more yeah. about making them understand it so that we believe they understand that now. But it's definitely, to me, it felt very, okay, we know that the thing is not making them flourish. It's just, it's the only thing keeping the Druna away. That's all it's doing. Yeah. yeah. yeah but... I'm going to guess you two would recommend it. Ooh, yeah. okay. Oh, okay. Okay, wait. Here's, here's, would, a, yeah. here's a better way to frame it. Would you recommend it for $30 or would you say wait for it to come out? I guess, I mean, I would. If, if you're interested in it, I would. Because the $30 thing on Disney+, Plus, I like that as long as, of course, you still have to pay for Disney+, Plus, but I like that you still get to own it. Kind of, well, not own it, but you get to keep it the whole time so you can watch it over and over if you want to. It just never disappears, which is kind of nice, which this time worked out for me. For Mulan, didn't really matter so much because I didn't want to watch it ever again. But you're talking to someone who also pays 20 bucks to rent movies on iTunes when they're new and knows I can only watch it for 48 hours. So, <laughs> you know, I'm reckless. Okay. I would say if you want new content, I think it's a fun watch. I think lower your expectations, you know. But if you want new content, then yeah, spend $30. It's not, it's not bad. You're not going to be angry i don't think after it so i think it's an enjoyable enough watch plot holes and all yeah i mean i think it makes me sad to say this but i would not suggest spending 30 dollars on it necessarily i don't think there have been a lot of films that have come out recently that i would say yes this is worth 30 dollars even though even though you know when we went to the movies it's like oh that would actually just be like either you know two tickets or a ticket and some popcorn and whatever but right. you know times are yeah. tough right now so i i'm not comfortable recommending this particular film for it <laughs> Makes sense. The last thing we watched, which is free if you do have a Netflix subscription, is Moxie, which is Amy Poehler's film based on a novel, YA novel. Uh, quoted. Based on my life. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you um, secretly have my, a zine? <laughs> my, no, I never had a zine. But, you know, teenage feminist. Um, sure. Moxie. Yeah. No, my last name's Mox, for people who don't know. Um, so Moxie is very common nickname for myself in fact everywhere on the internet i'm i'm foxy ms moxie so <laughs> so we had to watch this because i had to know how they would represent me and my yeah, brand would it live up to your namesake and in you know who who i am as a person it was a very cheesy cheesy film but i enjoyed it quite thoroughly and i had a very good time watching it and there's of course things that would change and criticisms i have but in general i think it's an adorable film that if i was a teenage girl or a preteen this would be something that I, I would have loved and been a really good part of my growth. Sure. It's funny. I will say I was very, I almost texted you, Jackie, but I was very happy for you and your sister, who also likes to go by Moxie sometimes, that Moxie was not necessarily a person. And it was like this zine that someone was behind. It was it an ideal. What, yes. It stood for what Moxie actually stands for. So I was happy for you because I remember a fun little, you know, like month, a couple months ago when we heard this movie was coming out, Jackie and Katie were on a, a group text and they were very upset. Like, what is this? They didn't ask for permission. Like all this bubble, whatever. Very just kind of like, oh my God. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, phew, it's not, it's not a person. It's a, 
<laughs> so at least it wasn't someone named Moxie, right? It's a fun feminist club. Yeah, right. I had a hard time getting through oh, it, I won't lie, but I, I didn't, I don't have criticisms of it, like, uh, to say that it should not exist. I, I think it's perfectly well-suited for preteens and teens and things like that, and I think it covers a lot of topics that are, that need to be talked about, for sure. But I think, like, you touched on the cheese factor and stuff and things where, it, I was very, like, God, I am not the audience for this. Like, this is not made for me, which is just, it made me think really hard, because <laughs> I was like, it's funny, because we're talking about Ryan, I'm like, oh, I loved it, which is, <laughs> you know made for children you know after all is said and done and i was like you know i think what, what i find interesting friendly. it's yeah child friendly but i guess i like i i'm a big fan of animated movies and stuff which of course they they throw things in there for adults and things so it's not all just kids movies but it's just funny because i'm like you know a, a total aside i also on my own volition decided to watch tom and jerry on hbo max and i quite enjoyed that so what and that is oh the children. No, so, no yeah no i had a good i, I had a good time and that is for the children and that was absolutely not what it made me confront is i was like raya is a fucking masterpiece compared to tom and jerry <laughs> oh i'll agree but i still enjoyed tom and jerry and I, but what's funny Jesus. is I found, I was like, you know, I think these films for teens and preteens specifically are the, or that are kind of targeting that audience are the ones that kind of just like don't resonate me in some way. I find teenagers annoying, I guess. It was this, this kind of generation of people watching that's just all about the, like, in the, in the way that social media and the, this and that and the TikTok and all that, they, all this kind of stuff. I'm just kind of like, oh, this is just not my vibe. And so I, I like that it exists for the people that definitely can benefit from it. I just had a hard time getting through it, unfortunately. And it was funny seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger's kid as a bad guy, though, in it. <laughs> I am so upset by this Tom and Jerry comment. I'm just <laughs> fixated on that right now. <laughs> it was so bad. So I don't think I struggled to watch it, but I didn't like it as much as I would. And I had to take a step back and go, okay, I think that younger me definitely would have liked it. I think it was harder to watch as adult childless woman me and not like in a bad way childless but it's just like oh I'm not a parent so I can't relate to it from that point of view of like oh this is where my kids could, could grow up to be someday I don't need to impart the wisdom on anyone at this point and be like no no you should watch this I also just kind of felt bad that that's what these kids are dealing with now but I had to look back and be like well that's actually what we were always dealing with they're just more vocal about it now you know the issues right. that they're facing it's which is a good thing right it's an evolution these are things that need to be talked about it I was really frustrated by like the principal character uh, you know, Marsha Gay Harden's character, because I was like, bitch, what are you doing? Like, help these girls. Be an ally. Yeah. But which is what you're supposed to be, right? You're supposed to be frustrated by her. I just found it hard to watch because I don't think I'm the intended audience either. I think, I mean, it's, it's It was successful. And, yeah, it was successful and, and, you know, in and, that and, sense. Yes, exactly. And, and, but I do, I just genuinely believe that teenage Jackie would have loved this film. <laughs> Adult Jackie, eh, you know. I, I really enjoyed that the love interest guy was just like, Oh, a nice I, that was, guy. I love that part. Yeah. You know, it's so rare that you see that. It's usually like, you know, the witty banter and the, you know, cold shoulder. And he was actually just like a genuinely good person and a good guy. And it's just kind of like, I've always supported you. What are you doing? And so I, I liked that portrayal of sort of that non-toxic teenage relationship. Yeah. I thought early on, I was really worried that the Patrick Schwarzenegger character was actually going to end up being like the love interest of the friend, the girl who comes to town. Mm -hmm. I can't remember mm -hmm. her name, the, but the black girl, basically. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, he's going to realize that the quirky, cool new girl is actually like really awesome. And, the, you know, and then it went very different yeah. direction. Also, I, oh, I was like, oh, I can see it. I feel like he's he's too good at playing this character. I'm pretty worried about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was uh, creepy. I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm uncomfortable. Like Arnold, Arnold, get, get your boy, Arnold. I was like, I don't know if he's that good of an actor. <laughs> 
So I will say, um, but it, it made me uncomfortable in visceral levels in a couple of places. And I think that's successful filmmaking too. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm too, I, I'm not the audience, you know? Yeah. yeah I, I, have have a lot of, like, I have a really large amount of like Lucille Bluth with like a martini in her hand eye roll moments. Like that was just like, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. God. Well, like teenagers, things teenagers are... when she's like just mean to the, to the boyfriend for no apparent reason. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm upset about that though, because I oh, did. I, I, that. I, well, no, that was fine when it happened. But I, because everything got tied up in such a pretty bow, I was, look, for the most part, I was like, is there going to be a credit scene of her apologizing to this man that she was so rude to for no reason? Because we never see him again. <laughs> and I was like, she needs to make amends Agent to Coulson? everybody. Yeah. She needs to make amends. He, he was so nice. And, yeah. she, and it's just, that was unresolved for me. I did not forgive her personally for it. So I, I needed her to atone. It was I, hard for me. I, I do mean, think not teenage Dana was... Yeah, no, teenage, teenage Dana Jackie was... would have done shit like that. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, it's hard to watch. No, that. so what I was gonna say is, teenage Dana was still a film snob, and so probably would have had issues with parts of this film. Be like, structurally, I feel like they brought in some themes too far into the third act. <laughs> oh, that was teenage Matt for sure. Teenage yeah. Matt would watch it with pinkies up and be like, hmm. It did make me remember that it, I didn't have a zine in high school, but I did put together this like dumbass newsletter with my friends. I can't remember what we wrote about, but we wrote all this like dumb creative writing stuff. And like I would sneak into the teacher's lounge and ma- use their copier and make copies. I don't think anybody actually ever read it ever. But we, you know, so I had like 50 copies of each issue like sitting around. I've just killed so many trees. But so, so that funny. that part of it I like enjoyed. I was like, oh, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> I liked that the printer was like, cool dude <laughs> yeah he was also like okay but how many is like a buttload yeah. yeah no there were there were some good moments i just it wasn't designed for me that's totally fine yeah and that's, I, and that's my criticism is like i'm not even criticizing the film as a whole as much as i'm just like oh yeah this is just not something that was like made with me in mind which is totally fine the biggest eye roll moment that i had was that she has this mother who is willing to yell at the checkout guy about mansplaining right and then she goes home and she listens to a song and suddenly she understands the feminist movement in a way yeah. that she'd never been exposed to it before. And it just, it was such a bizarre, like, I was like, no, her mom would have taught her all of this. Like, there's no way that she would have let her daughter just like not know until she went through those old- kill. Like, I it's know. totally- and so I was just like rolling my eyes because she's having this, you know, epiphany moment. And I'm like, okay, like she wouldn't have known most of this already. Yeah, there were some shortcuts. It, it didn't. It didn't fly with me. <laughs> it felt very authentic to the fact that like these people felt like high schoolers to me for the most part. Whereas, yeah, when I think of the teen start, well, they're not all four teens, I guess, but the movie starring teens that I do like, you know, it's like Mean Girls, but they're like twenty six. They're not really right. teenagers, <laughs> you know. And so uh, I will say it felt very like okay, they felt like teens to me, which is I think why I found yeah. So they were all good actors. I mean, within a certain realm of, yeah. because I, I do think it's really hard at that age, especially to, to authentically play. They performed the jobs they were hired to do. And I, I yeah. think mm-hmm. that they, I agree with that. So if not for the plot point that I think should have been resolved, if you ask, <laughs> will I recommend this film? <laughs> Would I recommend it? I did actually, because like I was watching it and I immediately texted my friend who Jackie knows. Hi, Anne. Have you watched Moxie? And she hadn't yet, whatever. And it's just hilarious because as we're recording this, she just texted me and be like, I'm going to start Moxie. Did you like it? <laughs> like as we're recording this. But I did. I was like, well, it feels very made for you. Because so she loves this kind of thing. It's not yeah. even a like, I think she'll eat it up. She'll love it. So I think, and again, she yeah. is the type of person I think this is intended for. I think she'll love it. So I would absolutely recommend it to that person. 
but not to everybody. Well, am I going to recommend okay, well, it to my sister? No. Matt, oh, you yes. can't be trusted anymore because you liked Tom and Jerry. So She'll never forgive you. It's over. It's over. It'll never be forgiven. This is the this is the straw. <laughs> She's like, this is the last, we, the last time you're on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much for uh, never come back. <laughs> like Jackie can Jackie come back. You can't. Next week. <laughs> I would recommend it to folks who like cheesy romantic comedies. If that's your thing, this is fun. I don't even know if I'd. I like cheesy I mean, it had a romantic, I would not. Yeah, it had a romantic comedy element to it, but I feel like it was more of like a coming of age film that had a romantic comedy side yeah. plot. But I think if you like those cheesy romantic comedies, you might like this. I think it's like woke breakfast club for me. Like that, you know, that like age yeah. bracket. I, yeah. All right. Well, thank you both. We'll have more to watch next week. Thank you. Thank you once again to Jackie and Matt for joining. And that has actually been it for this episode. If you liked it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.